Trinity Baptist Church. Happy Easter! I am so glad you're here. This is the um, this is the most important day of the year. This is the most important day of the year, and I'm glad you're here to celebrate it with us. And what I want to do in these next few minutes is I want to help us all get on the same page with why this is the most important day of the year. And then I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the most important day of the year. Okay? Are we good on that? Often when we greet each other, we'll ask the question, hey, what's new? Right? What's going on? How you doing? What's new? And if you've got something exciting happening in your life, you're, you're excited about the question because you want to tell them what's new, what's going on. If you came to, to me or Deanne in the last few months and said, hey, what's new with you guys? We would say, well, we're empty nesters now. <laughs> See? And a lot of people, seriously, a lot of people's response is, oh, are, how are you doing with that? And we say, it's awesome. I mean, we get to spend three hours over dinner. We get to, you know, have these spontaneous dates. We can walk around the apartment naked if we want to. Um, We don't do that. But we could. Maybe we should. I don't know. Um, Anyway. But that's, I mean, if you asked us what's new, that's what we would say. And that's exciting for us right now. But if you ask a If you ask a cynical or boring person what's new, what's their answer? Nothing. Same old, same old. Right? Which is which is kind of an ancient worldview kind of response. If you read in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, What is has been before and what's done now has been done before. There's nothing new under the sun. Nothing new. About 2,000 years ago, there was a group of about 12 guys, not about 12 guys, there was 12 guys, and they were just ordinary guys, fishermen, tax collectors, and if you had asked them what's new, they would have given the ancient worldview answer, nothing, same old, same old, just fishing again, just collecting taxes again, nothing new. But then one day, they met a man named Jesus. And they began to follow Jesus. And after that, if you had asked them what's new, they would have said, everything! Everything's new! Every day is a new day with this guy. I mean, the other day, he healed a leper. The day before that, he walked on water. The day after that, he fed like 5,000 people from a little kid's lunchbox. I mean, he's, he's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. He's, he, if you ask them what's new, they would have said, Jesus. Jesus is new. And then one Friday, what's new? They killed him. He's dead. Saturday, what's new? Nothing. Death wins again. Sunday, what's new? 
He's alive. (laughs) He is risen. Death has been defeated. Sin is forgiven. Hell loses. We win. He is risen. That's what's new. And what was so amazing about that event, Jesus' resurrection, is that Jesus' resurrection power actually got transferred into his followers. So much so that seven weeks after that first Easter, seven weeks after the resurrection Sunday, the, the disciples are gathered in Jerusalem and they're celebrating this day called Pentecost. And it's in Acts chapter 2. And on that day, we're told in Acts 2, now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. This was a big deal. Pentecost was a big deal. Um, there are huge crowds, a lot of activity. No, nobody got any work done. It was kind of like St. Patrick's Day in New York City. Um, we're told, then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Now, we have to appreciate how significant, how significant this is. They're in Jerusalem maybe just a few blocks away from where Jesus had been crucified. Where when he was dying, all of his followers scattered and hid like scared children. And Peter, the guy who's talking, not only scattered and hid, but he had actually even denied the fact that he knew Jesus not once but three times. Why? Because he was afraid And now here he is in the very city addressing the very crowd and he's standing with courage. He's risking his life. What's changed with him? What's new? Well, Peter's telling them. People of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. You see, he's addressing the crowd, many of whom had been along for the ride. Yeah, I heard Jesus teach. I saw him do miracles. In fact, I was there when he fed the multitude. I got to eat some of that. They'd been there. They'd witnessed, witnessed it. Peter goes on, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. You see, crucifixion was a very public event, and and all of these people would have known what had happened. Many of them would have been there. And so Peter has this courage to stand up and say to them, you put him to death. You did it. You nailed him to the cross. Um, With the help of of these wicked men, with the the help of Rome, and, and many of the Roman soldiers would have been standing there as well. Peter goes on, But, and I love this, God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. 
Friends, the resurrection is the most important event that has ever happened. And one of the unique aspects of Christianity is we can trace the beginning of this movement to a a very specific point in time. Um, Judaism can't do that. Islam can't do that. Hinduism can't do that. No other world religion can do that. But Christianity can trace its origin back to a specific day, a specific moment with a specific purpose. Person, It didn't exist on Saturday, but it existed on Sunday. Why? Because of the resurrection. You see, Christianity didn't grow out of uh, some, you know, philosophy of life. It didn't, it didn't come about because of some wonderful ethical teachings. It didn't come about because of wishful thinking. It didn't come about because of um, an inaccurate autopsy report. That has to sink in a little bit. <laughs> the disciples were really clear on what happened. There was a, uh, there's a Christian writer by the name of Warren Wiersbe who used to write a column for Christianity Today. And he got a letter one time from, from someone saying... Um, Our preacher told us on Easter that Jesus didn't actually die on the cross, but he just swooned. And that his disciples nurtured him back to health. Signed, or what do you think? Signed, bewildered. So Wiersbe wrote back and said, Dear bewildered, take your your pastor and beat him with a cat of nine tails 39 times. Nail him to the cross, hang him in the hot sun for three hours, run a spear through his heart, embalm him, put him in an airless tomb for 36 hours, and see if he just swoons. (laughs) Right? Some people believe that the disciples just made this stuff up about Jesus' resurrection. The problem with that is that nobody... Nobody signs up for persecution and suffering and martyrdom, which as a matter of historical record, all of the disciples experienced. Nobody signs up for that if they know something is a myth, if they know it's not true. The emphasis on the resurrection accounts being eyewitness testimony and not poetic metaphor runs all through the New Testament. So when the early followers of Jesus would greet each other with the words, He is risen, these were not just words of hope. Whatever you think about this, what you need to understand is these early followers of Christ claimed it to be reality. And they went to their death for that claim. So when Peter says quite explicitly, God raised this Jesus to life and we are not sharers of a mystic feeling, not tellers of an ancient legend. We are witnesses to this fact. 
Peter explains this in the face of great danger. I mean, he's only uh, a few blocks away from, from where they had crucified Jesus. And he's speaking to the very crowd that had been there at the crucifixion. And so in verse 37 of Acts 2, we're told, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? When you're cut to the heart, it means that, you've, that you're so sad because you've missed out on the opportunity of a lifetime. This crowd realized that to know and to love and to follow this man, Jesus, is the greatest opportunity offered to human beings. And that's still true today. It's still the greatest offering that we have. They'd missed it. And they were just throwing their life away on money or, or success or reputation or health or security or comfort or whatever else stupid stuff we just let our lives drift to. And we miss out on the most amazing life possible. So in a moment of clarity, a moment of, of moral sanity, they're cut to the heart and they say, is there nothing we can do? Is it too late? Have we missed our chance? So Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, in his power, in his love, in his presence, for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent means to start anew. It means to start over. It, it, it means that you come to the place where you recognize that I, I missed it. I, I got it wrong. I, I can't do this on my, on my own. I, I recognize that, that I can't make life what God intended it to be for me. I, I feel that in me. And I want to start fresh. I want to start anew. I can't. I realize that I can't bridge the gap between where I am and, and where God is. And, and I know that that's where fulfillment is. Um, I know that some of you are art starved and I haven't drawn for a while, so I'll do that. Um, and this will be on sale after the service. Um, so here's God over here. And here we are. kind of spindly people. Um, and what, what the Bible teaches is that, that we are separated from God because of this thing called sin. And this, this is not unique to Christianity, by the way. Every other world religion recognizes that there is a separation between humanity and the divine being. And so this is, it's not unique to Christianity. But every other world religion, and I'm not knocking them, I'm just saying that this is what, what they believe. Every other world religion says there are steps that humanity can take to get to God. That you can do these, you know, five things, or you can, you can say this creed, or you can go through this ritual, or you can give this money, or you can make this pilgrimage. 
Every other world religion says there are steps that humanity can take that can, that can bridge this gap. But Christianity comes along and Christianity says there's nothing you can do. Because the, the gap's too wide, the gulf is too great, it's this chasm that, that keeps us from God and our, our sin is too great and, and God is too holy. We just can't get there. So, so what can be done? That's where God moves toward us. And God comes to us in the person of Jesus Christ who, who enters into our, our human situation. And he teaches us how to live, teaches us how to love, how to experience this abundant life that God created for us. And then at a moment in time, at a moment in time, Jesus goes to the cross and he takes all of our sin onto himself. And by doing so, he cancels out our sin and creates an opportunity for us to be in relationship with God. And it, at that point, it's nothing that we've done but it's everything that God's done on our behalf through the cross of Jesus Christ. And when, when Jesus dies on the cross, then God offers this invitation where he says, come as you are. Just come as you are. You don't have to take steps because you can't. Just come as you are because of what Jesus has done. And, anyone, and, and just so you know, that's the greatest invitation the world has ever known. And anyone who accepts that invitation, God then makes them sons and daughters. He adopts them into his family and he begins to rate, relate with them in a new way. And he says, look, we can talk any time of the day. We can talk all the time. And not only that, but not only will we have these ongoing interactions, but, but I'll give you guidance when you need it. I'll give you strength to, to overcome temptation and to, to get through difficult times. I'll give you a new perspective on life so that you'll see things differently and you'll live life more fully. And, and in fact, I'm going to invite you to be a part of what I'm doing to bring healing and wholeness to this broken world. And when you're done with your time on this planet, I've prepared a place for you where you can come and live with me for eternity. Friends, that's the good news of the gospel. And by the way, I never get tired of telling that. That's the greatest news the world has ever heard. And that's what Peter is saying to these folks in Acts chapter 2. In Jerusalem on that day, he tells them, repent. He says, recognize that you can't bridge the gap between where you are and where God is. But while you recognize you can do nothing about it, um, at the same time, you get to recognize that you don't need to do anything about it. 
Because God already did. You see, there's grace offered through Jesus. There's power offered through Jesus. There's access offered through Jesus. And all you have to do, Peter says, is repent and trust Jesus to be your your forgiver and your, your leader and your friend and your savior and your redeemer. Just commit your life to this man who is risen, Jesus Christ. It was happening all the time in the ancient world. And Paul said this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person. A new creation. The old is gone and the new is begun. That's the good news. So what's new? You can be new. That's true of all of us. We can all be new because of what Jesus did in the cross of Christ, or what God did in the cross of Christ. This is true for anybody. And the expression of this commitment when you accept God's invitation through, through the cross, the expression of that commitment is baptism. Baptism is an outward expression of an internal reality. It involves water because physically... Um, water is what we use to cleanse stuff. And we need to be cleansed. Peter said at the end of his sermon, if you believe this, I want to challenge you. You commit your life to this man, you repent, and be baptized. And on that day... Right on that day, it says in verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Isn't that awesome? Um, You see, they began their, their commitment to Jesus with this first step of obedience and they were baptized. Um, They didn't say, you know, I'll... I'll do baptism when I get around to it. I'll get baptized when it's convenient or, you know, after I've read up on it a little bit more or, you know, when I, when I really feel good about this, that's when I'll do it. Now, they said, I can't wait. I, I accept what Jesus did for me and I, I am committed to him and I want everybody to know it. And I'm going to be baptized today. 3,000 of them. Why baptism? Because there's this physical sensation when you go under the water and come up where you realize that I have been cleansed from head to toe. And there's something powerful about that recognition that because of the the cross of Christ, because of what Jesus did for me, I'm cleansed head to toe. So I want to end this sermon the same way Peter ended his sermon. I want to give you a chance this morning to make um, a commitment to Jesus and then to get baptized. Some of you are, are thinking, you mean I can sign up for baptism today? No, I mean you can get baptized today. Um, you say, well, wait a minute, this is a Baptist church. Isn't there a class i got to take or... Or a committee I need to join or, or something like that. 
Um, no, you just took the class. That's the class. Some of you are thinking, um, you know, I'm kind of a private person. And, you know, I've been, I've been a follower of Jesus for a while. And, and uh, you know, I'm a person of faith. But, but my, my faith is really private to me. And, and it would be embarrassing, quite frankly, you know, to be up in front of all of these people. And my hair would be wet. And my makeup would be smudged. You know, I, I'd just be embarrassed. Well, imagine if when I got engaged to Deanne, I said, um, you know, let's not do the public ceremony thing. And I don't really want to wear a ring. I want to be married to you, but I don't want anybody to know. That would be embarrassing. There would be three fewer children in the world today if I had done that. Right? I can't imagine facing Jesus someday saying, you know, I believe in you. I claim your forgiveness. I thank you for what you did on the cross and I expect to have eternity with you. But, but that baptism thing, no, I think I'll pass. You see, baptism isn't a Baptist thing. It's a commitment to Jesus thing. And... You might be saying, well, you know, I'm not sure I want to be baptized here because I'm not sure I want to, you know, be a member of this church. Well, we're not sure we want you to be a member of this church. <laughs> okay? But we do want you to follow Jesus. So, <laughs> so this isn't about membership. This is about saying, I, declaring, I am a follower of Christ and I want everyone to know. That's what it's about. Something happens when you make this step of obedience, when you say, I want to declare this before the world that I accept Christ's invitation, I recognize that He bridged the gap for me. Something happens in you, and the Spirit overwhelms you, and it is powerful. And I can't think of a more exciting or appropriate day to be baptized than on Easter Sunday morning. So here's what we're going to do. In your bulletin, if you'll look in there, there should be a little white card. I want you to pull this out. And I'm going to read this this baptism declaration. And you just follow along with me. I have committed my life to Jesus Christ. I know that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God who came to die on the cross for my sin. I believe that He rose from the grave to prove His authority over sin and death and to secure for me an eternal relationship with the God who loves me and created me. Um, 
That's the basis of our faith. And so, and then on the other side are just a couple of lines of of information. If you want to be baptized this morning, we got stuff for you. And there's no class you need to go through. You just went through it. All you need to do is is say, I, I want to take this step of obedience. And we've got robes. We've got shorts and T-shirts. We've got towels. we got everything you need. We've got changing room down there. And we had such a ball in the first service. It was so awesome. And so what, what I'm going to do here in a moment, I'm going to pray. And some of you, um, some of you have haven't chosen until maybe right now to follow Jesus. And so I'm going to pray and, and invite you to do that. And, and you can just pray along with me and, and declare your faith in him. Some of you have, have been following Jesus for a while and you've made excuses for why not to be baptized. And I'm just going to say, let today be your day. Don't put it off anymore. No more excuses. Let today be your day. Take that act of obedience. And, and here, here are the logistics. After I, I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite us to the table. Because if you're visiting Trinity, we, we come to the Lord's table every week because every week we want to celebrate what God did in the cross of Christ to bridge the gap for our sins so that we could be in eternal relationship with our loving God and experience the abundant life that he came to give us. That's what we celebrate in the table. And so if you are a follower of Christ, I invite you to come to the table. There's two in the front and two in the back. And if you're visiting with us this morning, there's no order to this, okay? It gets messy because people are bumping into and there's... The cross was messy. So we're okay with messy. And we gather around the table in in groups of three, four, five, six, because we're celebrating in community what God did for us to make us one in Him. And so I want to invite you to the table in a moment. And there's going to be, we're going to be singing and praying and while all that's going on, it's great. And then after, if you want to be baptized, after you've, taken communion. Go to this corner. Brad, would you stand up? This is Brad Darling, and he is Darling, isn't he? Um, How did you grow up with that name? How did that work? (laughs) Um, Brad is going to be over here in this corner, and and we've got, he'll kind of show you the ropes, and he'll give you the stuff you need to put on, and there's changing room downstairs, and, and Margaret, and Margaret and Mary Ellen, would you guys stand up as well? They'll be down there and, and, and help with some of the logistics. And this card, um, just if you want to be baptized, just fill out this card. There's three lines on there. And hand it to Brad when you, you go in the door. And then, and then I'll meet you in the water. And when, when you come in, I'm going to ask you two questions. The first question is, what's new? What's new? And your response is, my name is Keith Boyd, and I'm new. Well, don't say Keith Boyd. Say your name. But (laughs) my name is, and I'm new. And then the second question I'm going to ask is, um, 
Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin and was raised from the dead so that you might have life to the fullest with God forever? And your answer is yes. And then I'm going to dunk you. <laughs> and if I know you, I'm going to hold you down long. So, um, so let me pray for us. And then we're just going to celebrate and have a ball. Lord, I am so grateful for this morning. I am so grateful for the, the reality of the resurrection and the newness, the new life that we can have because of that. Lord, I pray for those of us here this morning that, that have, have committed our lives to you in, in recent months or, or years and yet have never taken that step to be obedient and say, I want to do this to declare my commitment. I pray, Lord, that today would be the day. No more excuses. And that they just want to, that we would just stand and, and, and celebrate what you've done. And Lord, for, for any here today who have, who have never come to that place where they've crossed the line into faith and they've said, yes, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. Yes, I believe that he rose from the dead. Lord, I just pray that today they would put their faith in you. So I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And if, if you want to commit your life to Jesus today, you can just pray this prayer in your heart. Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I know that I can't get to you on my own because I've tried. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for the, the healing and the wholeness, the redemption that comes because of what Jesus did. And so I place my faith in him today. I place my faith in you today, Lord Jesus. I thank you that I can have full assurance that you've done all that needs to be done and that I come into relationship with you today through the cross. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.